Hey everyone, this is Cody Turner. Before presenting today's episode, I'd just like to take a minute to thank all the people who have supported this podcast since I started it a couple of months ago. First and foremost, my mom. She recently told me that the podcast is a solid 5 out of 10, and that I've, quote, reached the pinnacle of mediocrity and surpassed everything that she thought I was capable of. Um, that was just a sweet thing to say, especially coming from her. I never uh, even dreamed that I could be mediocre one day. So the, the fact that I may have accomplished that, uh, it just speaks to the hard work that I've put in at trying to become uh, painfully average. Also, when I plugged the podcast on Facebook recently, to my astonishment, someone outside of my immediate family gave it a like, which was also uh, extremely heartwarming. Uh, truth be told, I don't really know the person who liked it. I think his name is Jake. Uh, we were in the same third grade class together, I believe. Uh, you, Jake, it's been years. I appreciate the support, bro. That little dopamine rush that I got when I saw you liked my post, it was just totally worth uh, frantically refreshing my homepage to see whether or not the world enjoys my content. So uh, thank you, sir. Uh, so now to today's episode. I'm very excited to present this episode. This is a super special end of the summer podcast from the beach in Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, featuring my two siblings. My younger sister, Abby, our resident ghost expert, who was recently on the podcast to discuss her belief in ghosts, and my big brother, Brad, also known as Brad 3 or Trey, because he is a notoriously deadly three-point shooter, uh, especially from the corners. He actually can't make threes anywhere but the corners, but when it comes to the corners, he's, I mean, he's the best I've ever seen. Just ask our eighth grade high school basketball coach, Mr. Carroll. Um, he'll tell you. So I think I should provide some background to this episode here in the preamble, for this episode really is structured differently than other recorded discussions I've done on the podcast. I just got back from a vacation with my family at a beach house that we rented in Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. The house that we stayed at included a novel architectural feature that I immediately fell in love with, a lookout tower. I called this lookout tower the Pod Pod Penthouse, or PPP, to all of my family's annoyance. Um, the first pod in the PPP, and I think it's important for me to, to break down the PPP for you. The first pod in the PPP indicates the fact that the lookout tower was literally structured in the shape of a physical pod, where by physical pod I mean any small enclosure. The second pod in the PPP refers to the fact that we recorded podcasts in the lookout tower throughout the vacation. And finally, the third P in the PPP, or the word penthouse, refers to the fact that the lookout tower was the highest vantage point in the nearby beach vicinity. When we sat in the Pod Pod penthouse, we were on top of the world. And here's how things went down. At the beginning of the week, I put my microphone in the PPP and always had it recording whenever we were up there. And the episode that you are about to hear is a mashup of different conversations we had throughout the week in the Pod Pod penthouse. So, Instead of containing one unified conversation, this episode is composed of a multitude of mini-segments, you might say. And these mini-segments are truly diverse in nature, both in terms of content and tone. I mean, you will hear everything from silly banter, to me freestyle rapping, to serious philosophical discussions that we had. So I think there's something here for the whole family. Um, without further ado, I present the OBX Chronicles. 
Welcome to Tent Talks on the Shelter from the Storm Podcast Network, a place to talk the rain away with your host, Cody Turner. Storm coming, Mr. Wayne. It was really sad watching that fist struggle today. I said that earlier and no one acknowledged it. No, me too. I resonated. I was really sad about it. I resonated spiritually with that fish. Okay, I wouldn't take it that far. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Well, no, but it did disturb me. It really disturbed me, too. part of me was disturbed. Same. But it survived, though. I know. Right? It did. And it's stronger and smarter because of that experience. It's better off. So do you think, is it damaged now? Is it hurt? Or maybe all of its, it'll probably, it it probably can't go back to its home. All of its friends know it got hooked. That's probably like a huge taboo in fish life wiser they're like yo you fell for the hook you idiot yeah you probably and get bullied just... and you probably like are deformed and ugly yeah they're like oh, oh, my. But, but what if the fish you survive in the hook makes you a legend and everyone looks upon him no and because it's power no they'd be like you idiot. that means you're stupid you fell for the trick they're like how'd you, you not survive? know it was a real squid he's like it looked real it looked really juicy and they're like Haha, <laughs> you fool <laughs> it's all smart ones that you never catch every fish that's caused and now he returns home and they're like their whole family name is in tatters because you're that fish Dino that caught hooked. one and I caught one. I caught two. We ruined a family. I caught two. I got two at the same time. For, for, think about that. We ruined a we ruined a fish family for a little bit of pleasure on our part. That's what happened today, <laughs> sir. Oftentimes disappointment from the size. From the what? Size. And we were disappointed by it. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't even big. We so we reeled him in. We were disappointed by him, right. and then we sent him back his fit to his family, who are going to be disappointed that he got caught. We ruined his life. So we're, we're talking about somebody, a fish, who somebody. is completely ostracized from a social standpoint. Right. And, I mean, whose prospects of mating are bleak, if not non-existent. I mean, let's be real here. How? Uh, how he, was, he was a good-looking fish. <laughs> Silence. Yeah, he's got a screwed up lip though, kind of like my lip. But somehow, so you just, so, somehow I still is manage. That why you have, is that why you have such a connection with me? Somehow I still manage. That's that's where the spiritual connection comes in. That's where the spiritual connection comes in. Yeah, I can't help it. I'm perfect. Can't relate. But I mean, it's really just a genocide that's occurring in the guise of vocational activities. Is vocational a word? I'm pretty sure it's not definitely a word. Not. It's not a word. Well, it's definitely I not I was so confident when I said it. But like, if everyone understands what you're saying, then it doesn't matter. I, yeah, but... Like, who does it matter to? The billions of people. Billions. B. Billions. That, that could be. potentially be hearing this conversation. Billions. But if, be. What, if they all understand, what does it matter? The grammar Nazis will be up in arms. In arms. <laughs> we'll my address is public. We'll dis- they will come to my door. We'll displease an imperfect And they being. will kill me with their perfect syntax. An imperfect being's <laughs> fictional language huh? will be displeased. Wow. Yeah. It's a screwed up world, bro. Just remember it, dude. It's all insane. What's worse, a grammar Nazi or an actual Nazi? Oh my god. I'm not answering that. 
I, I don't... They both were concentrated, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they both... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, don't actually answer that. <laughs> we're going to be like, oh, this podcast was good, That's except for the... <laughs> That's so dumb. No, obviously... No, let's be real. Come on. Obviously, grammar Nazis are a lot worse. <laughs> Dude, they're so annoying. They're so it. annoying. I can't even tell you. Out of nowhere, they come out. No, you know what? There's... You don't realize they're there until they just attack you. Yeah. You know? And it's just such a little thing. You think everything's harmless. You know? And then, bam. And you don't understand. Like, it's just... I don't know. you got time to cope with it. I, I'm just like... I like poetry. I like freestyle. I don't like to be confined by the rules freestyle. of grammar. I don't like the ideological grammar Nazis telling me how to arrange... Words. The language was made up anyway. It's a right? blank page. I'm trying to You'll paint create, something. Create your own lane. With, yeah, with create linguistics. Your own lane. I'm trying to paint something with linguistics. So you can't have. It has to be anarchy in the world of art. You know. You gotta be ruthless out there, bro. Yeah. It's the only answer. You really do. And you didn't disappoint me. I don't want to kill you. <laughs> what would I do without you? <laughs> now that's a Batman. <laughs> there is a, what I realized when I was talking to Abby in the water, there is an epistemic problem about the profundity of psychedelic experiences. Because you can't psychologically grapple with the profundity as it's going on. It just just because you're bombarded by by it and overwhelmed by it. But you also can't come to terms with it sufficiently after the fact because you can't accurately recall what that alien Again, consciousness was you're like. You're back in your sober mindset, right? Yeah. It's just such a foreign state of consciousness you can't do justice to it. It can only you know? be in the moment, but even yeah. in the moment, you can't reason with it in the way that you think you can. You can only know it when you feel it. And when you feel it, you can't really know it because you're so consumed by the feeling. It's, it's like a dream. Yeah. You know? So that presents this problem. When like, you wake up from the dream, you remember the dream, right? But right. not in the way that you were when you are living it. So it's this epistemic problem of phenomenological profundity, <laughs> where we can't... We know that there's this really profound experience. We're trying to make sense of it, but we can't accurately make sense of it when we're in the experience, and we can't when we're out of it either. So it's just this profundity that's elusive. We just know it exists. Yeah, but it relates back to what we were talking about. That's why it's so dangerous to draw conclusions about reality based upon the profundity of those experiences. This is just a nice, I like this beat. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Never lost at that beach in that new age flow. Every time I've been on the down low. Trying to hit another blunt. And we're going to be on the hunt for the females at night. Yeah, that's right. Saturday life. We trying to live. In the beginning, even though you know I've been winning Every day I've been sinning, might go to hell Ah well, that might be swell, I'll be the gangster down there And you know I'm gonna breathe 
Gonna be that nice air And I'm gonna pay for your fare Every time I'm gonna write rhymes And I'm gonna drop these lines And you know I'm gonna be fine And I'm gonna be that bro Even though I'm a white boy And I'm gonna make all kinds of noise And you don't have a choice to listen to me Every day I'm gonna be the young CT Mr. Young Philosophy I think you must have to concede I've been nice on this beat I must feed Everyone now my friend, so that's why I got this energy You know me, here we go, I don't even think I'm gonna stop I'm gonna be on that clock all night And I'm gonna be rapping till you know I'm right Give me, give me a topic Just so, so the listeners know that I'm, you know Coffee Coffee? Yeah, here we go Trying to get that caffeine so much caffeine, that shit be obscene I hope you understand what I mean But I need the energy so I can be And accomplish all my dreams I might be a caffeine fiend A fucking addict When I go to Starbucks, they're like, yo, yuck How much coffee you gonna be till you throw up? I said, I don't know, but you might have to grow up Because all the adults around here are addicts I might be a rap addict even when I rap in the attic and I'm drinking coffee and I'm gonna drink that espresso, yo. How do you think I get this new wage flow? How you think I'm gonna be a grown man? How you think you... Here we go. Yep, yep. Now I'm gonna rap about the shore. No, no, no. Do cardio. Ooh, cardio. Alright. Cardio. Cardio. Every time I wake up I know I need that cardio I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna play the Mario Party though I should go outside I know I need that fresh air to feel alive I know I should run like five miles All the while I'm sitting inside hitting a blunt And I know it's fun But soon I'm gonna get fat And they're gonna be yo that's whack What's up with that? You used to have that six pack You should get that shit back I said I'm trying, I need to run on the track Like five, like five times around These haters then won't even make a sound When I come back They're gonna see my flow, they're gonna say Yo, I know you've been nice with that cardio Oh Here we go Yo, it's the last day of the vacation North Carolina, you know what I'm saying I hope you had a good time We were outside, it's not like we're inside playing PlayStation Oh, why are you hating? I thought this whole vacation was great, man So we went boogie boarding, then we went swimming in the ocean Then we drank some and caused a commotion and Then I had to put on some more sunscreen, maybe you could call it lotion when we get back, we can go to the Goshen Fair, I swear, you can go there, you can live life without a damn care. The Goshen Fair is today. today, I didn't know that, or else I wouldn't have put it in the rap. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not bad. It's for sure. Alright. I like that. Um, yeah, so this, it's been a vacation of revelations. Okay, Vacation of Revelations, how so? It's like a painter painting a picture 
stepping away for the day and then coming back to it and kind of seeing going down the wrong path in certain areas kind of reevaluating where you are in the painting where I am in life right the painting is your life it's hard to get out of it's hard to change your routine when you've been in the routine so much yeah. so me getting out of the routine I'm able to look at it kind of without being in it from like a from like a objective yeah. view almost more in a way you needed to be uprooted from your life so you can approach your life with a fresh perspective right and now you've done that. yeah you just and have I, to get I, out I of know, the you have to get out of the cycle the daily grind yeah that's what it is because it's hard to change it when you're in it but when you get away from it you can kind of sit recoup really think it out and then come back and have a plan as you go back into the routine. It's easier to change it, I think. Yeah. You just than can't... Be, than being, having so much momentum by being in it for so long. You know what I mean? You can't look at your life from above, from an objective point of view, if you're just entrenched within it. Right. If you're just caught in the cycle. Right. In order to look at the cycle from above, you have to escape it. It's so important. I think in certain times in your life, it's worth the ability to just get out totally change your setting and your routine and your life for you know a bit of time at least a week 10 days 10 to you know and just uh you know either notice things that are going really good notice things that are really going bad you know appreciate how far you've come one thing sometimes you don't realize it that as well you know how how much you've improved because it's so gradual yeah. You know, if you go back to somewhere similar, you can kind of notice the difference from how you act now from how you act back then in the same setting. I've noticed that. Because it kind of brings you back to when you were there last time. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Well, yeah, and that's so, the, the same principle I think applies when you're talking about people from different periods of your life. Right. Right? Like childhood friends kind of bring out that childhood self. You know, it reminds you of who you are. Yeah. Because you're instantly reminded of how your friendship was when you were different with that person. And it just speaks to the... I talk about this a lot, but it just speaks to the larger principle that different people bring out different aspects of you, different selves. You know, And it's not... It has everything to do with the particular chemistry that you share with a person. You know, you know That person will bring out a particular side of you that you can't replicate with another person, at least not authentically. You know, it's almost a very selfish act to attain friends because it just means that they like the version that you bring out in them by being around them so it's still a selfish act that you're hanging out with yeah. the other person I know that's why I mean that's why but the breakup mutual. was so hard for me because I liked who you were the, yeah what the, who I was when I was with Veronica now you, have to you know I felt really that. funny yeah so that's it right. wasn't just like I was losing her it felt like I was losing myself it's a feeling of loss yeah. yeah that's why you know but that's the thing with getting it is selfish it get, is fundamentally it, selfish it is but I think that's also the problem getting in a relationship too deep too early in your life because you first got to establish who you are no matter what so that yeah. way when a piece of you leaves so a significant other yeah you might like that person but you could still always have a base to go back to yeah you know so I think when you're too young and you're still building this base and don't know who you are and then you cling on to something where it's really good for a while and then you go back to you you pick up where you left off and you didn't know what that was yeah. And I think that could be scary for a lot of people. And that's why I think it's so important to work on yourself first. And that's why you can't love someone without loving yourself. Yeah. For that same reason. 
And that's why I do place a large emphasis on building a large or expansive social network. I mean, obviously, because I just like meeting new people and I like the people themselves and I like building relationships, right? There is a selfless component to it, but there is a fundamentally selfish component to it as well. The larger social network you have, the more friendships that you have and that you maintain, the larger you are. Because again, people bring out different parts of you and different selves. Absolutely. You know? You find yourself being really funny with a particular person. You can't replicate that funniness within the context of a different relationship that you have. And it, it's not because you're less funny. It's just because you the know, particular you know, chemistry that you share with that person disposes you to be more funny exactly. for whatever reason. And it's more the way you say things. You could say the same joke to the same person, but it doesn't have exactly the same energy and vibe that you put into it as with you or someone else. You know, yeah. you almost adjust like the pitch of your voice for certain people because they know they'll understand you more in that pitch. Yeah. Or they'll understand the joke more, you know? Just even little things like that. And that's, it is absurd for people to expect you to be the same person around everyone, you know? Sometimes you see like you have a friend and then you meet one of their friends and around that friend they act like a completely different person. Yeah. And you're like, why are you acting differently? Yeah. It might maybe they are acting differently in order to impress that friend and they're not being authentic, but it could be that they're being authentic. That's them. It's just the manifestation of them that arises out of that relationship that they have. Right. You know. The Dollar Tree is still open. Look at how close it is to us. Love me some dollars. Should I walk in? I'm just like, yo, I got 99 cents. Is that enough? And he goes, get the fuck out of my store with your penny change. <laughs> that doesn't even And then I go sense. outside, pick up a penny, and I go, now I got a dollar. And he goes, well, come on in! It's 106 with tax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the government's gonna take that. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's so, no, it's more of a tax, man. It's like 160 with tax. Yeah, it's literally like 120. I'm like, yo, I thought it was a dollar tree. And they're like, close enough. Didn't say out the door. <laughs> For some reason, whenever I tell hypothetical stories, my pretend voices that I use are always like drunk white girls. I'm like, oh my god. Like for anyone. It could be anyone. It could, like, it could be like some like big black guy. It's just like, that's the voice I use. I think to you that's funny. It's know. true. It is. To me it's funny, but like, that's it. I need to diversify myself a little bit. I'm just becoming a drunk white girl. Slowly. Through jokes. I'm always a guy, so yeah. when I do mine. You are? Wait, what's your pretend voice go to? What's your go to pretend <laughs> voice? Yo, yo. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yo, baby. I feel like I'm like a little teenage boy who's like angry at everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mock it. I don't even know. You're still a teenager right now. But just barely. Just barely a teenager right now. Really just You're barely. You're almost 20. I'm really like, these are the last of my teenage years. These are the last days of your these teenage years. These are the last years. days of my teenage years. You go from being a crazy teen, like, oh, she's a crazy teen, you know, like, let her like, full, let her like experience the world to, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> you wake up Shut and up. it's a new reality for you. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I'm so old. I'm older than all my friends, and it really is not fun. Are you looking forward to turning 20, two decades in this crazy world? No. You're not? No. Do you think there's going to be a 20 life crisis? 
a fifth life crisis. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-five. A little bit of existential terror, maybe, but not too much. Just the right amount. I just feel like it's gonna feel different being twenty. No. It's just a label that we apply to you. Doesn't actually mean it's not like you wake up and you're a different person. But you are because you conceptualize yourself in a different manner. (laughs) (laughs) There he goes again, pandering to the audience. Being in your mid twenties, saying you're in your mid twenties, twenty five. You're in your mid twenties. You're twenty. Yeah. Wait, can we talk about you? That's yeah. Kind of crazy. Why, why are we talking about my yeah. age? Okay. You're just a crazy teen. You're you, so Abby's a crazy teen. Uh, yeah. You're a quarter of a century. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. Twenty five years old, sir. Sir. Well, nineteen, sire. twenty, <laughs> twenty one, twenty two. You still feel like a kid. You still feel like a kid at twenty two. It's only really the last few years where like. Do you feel like an adult now? Do you feel like a grown man? Do you actually? Because I still feel like a kid. I'm 23, in case you didn't know. More so, I do. I guess, yeah. You feel like... So, like, do you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, I'm a grown man, I have to eat a grown man breakfast now. Or do you wake <laughs> up and you're like, ah... Oh. No, it's not like that. No. It's like the same, but like... So you don't eat grown men breakfast? No, he needs to be He's like, what's a grown man <laughs> No, but how do you... No. Can you just elaborate? Yeah, bit? yeah, I guess. Okay, I, you know what? I guess that's not a good word. Like, I feel more mature, but, like, I also... Uh, no, like, you know, it's... I was just I there. I was just a kid. Like, you know, it doesn't seem I know, long I still ago. am. I still feel like a kid. Honestly, I do. Right. I still feel like a kid. I feel like that's going to end dangerously soon. No, it's not, though. I feel like it's never... No, I'm, I'm I like, I'm, no, I, no, I I'm do, I'm on too. my OG Peter I, Pan shit. I, I, I do, too. Never grow up. I do, too. Never, never land. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I do, I do, too. <laughs> you, do, you still do? You just get used to things. You just get used to life. You get used to growing you're, up. You're, you get used you're still to growing up responsibilities. You're used to things, yeah. You're like desensitized, you know? It's It gets easy, I guess. That that used to be hard for you so as a kid. So the magic associated with adolescence you're, but you're still doesn't you. exist anymore? Because you're just used to it? Right. Because the magic is a crucial part of adolescence. So adolescence, so. adolescence is defined by the magic of new experience. Right. So... Once you've had all the experiences, you just naturally don't feel like a kid anymore. So it's change your stimuli, become a kid again. Maybe, yeah. Change your stimuli, become a kid again, and change your stimuli. Time I feel like I feel like that makes sense. You. When you go on vacation to Italy or something, like well, our, our parents will. They're yeah, they're gonna probably gonna act more like kids. They're gonna they're gonna act younger. Yeah. Just because there's new shit and, and it's this. exciting. No, and I'm saying, and also. Time really, this is what we're talking about, but time really is subjective. This was one of the longest summers of my life because I had so much new stimuli, so many new experiences, teaching at East Campus and teaching at West Campus. Every week was broken up different, right? If you're just doing the same routine every day, your they, life, you do collaborate. you do blink in your 90. Yeah. Right? Because all the different days mesh together. They morph together because it's the same routine. Right. They, they're not distinguished from one another in memory, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 
But if you just have so many new experiences, you're like, oh my God, it's only been a summer. It feels like a lifetime since I've been back to Yukon. You're observing more everything. I feel like a different person. Yeah. Like, you know, you're you're computing more things. And that's why I want a life that's filled with new experiences because that's going to elongate my life more than anything else. You know what I mean? It's gonna, you're almost slowing down time by doing this. Mm-hmm. Since time is relative. Exactly. Yeah. Do new things. Slow down your life. Introduce by, by go somewhere thing. else. Yeah. So find that's, that's, that's what story. I'm talking about. Don't find what you just what you want to do in life, but find what lifestyle you want to live. You know, so find something that you want to do, which involves a lifestyle that you would like Don't to. Don't be afraid to switch it up. Don't get too comfortable in the same. Don't get too scene. comfortable. You get you know you're too comfortable. Yeah. You don't want to move. You're used to comfort. Comfort's the norm. Yeah, that, comfort's that, the norm. That's when it's a problem. That's when you do guys push it up. The acti- activation energy isn't easy, but it's necessary and ultimately conducive yeah. towards your overall well-being. You gotta beat that. It's so easy to slip into. That's what I'm saying. Just gotta make the move, though. It's like getting out of bed in the morning. Just gotta do it. Yeah. You force yourself to do it. And then it just becomes a reality. Yeah. But you have to force yourself to do it. You're not gonna... It's You know, it's like from all those motivational videos. Yeah, whoa, are you leaving, Abby? I've used the bathroom. Okay, fine. Something initiates. It's from all those movies. Yeah, you're not going to feel like it before you do it. You do it so you can feel like it. Right. It's really that simple. And, and it also relates to what we were talking about regarding feelings are one thing and actions are another. Right. You know, you can be just completely focused, feel amazing, inspired, motivated to do something, but you end up doing nothing. Right. Yeah, you just, you feel just smoke that way. a J. You just feel that. You way. feel good. You live in the ecstasy of the vision or whatever you want to do, and you feel good. You don't do anything, so you feel good. There's no action, and then there are times where you just feel really bad. You might be hungover, but there's just some stuff you have to do. You know, you can't avoid it, mm-hmm. and you force yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the out, if you compare those two days and you look at the actual mm-hmm. output, the day that you felt shitty to you, you're like, ah, oh, that was a horrible day. But upon reflection, it was actually a better day in terms of the output, you know? So it's always be more concerned about what you're doing, not how you feel. Because you can feel amazing and feel amazing. You know, you think of yourself as amazing. But then upon reflection, you're like, but I didn't that, do anything with it. That's why what did I do with that mindset? What, how did you use it? That's why it's so important, though, to feel shitty. Because then it does motivate you to change it feel amazing you have no need to do anything to change it yeah that's so true that's, that's, that's why it's so valuable to feel shitty yeah yeah so I guess I was just talking tool for improvement I know what you mean though yeah, yeah I was talking about like mindsets where you're inspired to create something you know you're in a creative mindset you don't use it to bring anything into existence you know you don't use it to actually create anything you just kind of again bask in the ecstasy of the mindset Just an hour of silence. If I just released a pod, there's just an hour of silence. <laughs> and I like hyped it up so much on Facebook. I'm like, guys, I really think this is my best, best work. Best pod yet. Like, please, if anything, would... I'm just like, please just give it a listen. <coughs>
And if people you, would just think it was a glitch. They'd just be like, <laughs> they'd just be like, dude, I think your audio was messed up or something. Okay, it fine. wouldn't be as funny as you think it was. Okay, well, what if that's just me screaming for 60 seconds so they know it's not a glitch? Or if, I just, if I'm just repeating, this is not a glitch. This is not a glitch. This is the actual podcast I'm recording. <laughs> and they just hear that for an hour straight. Dude, you are so weird. You're so weird. <laughs> I'm like, guys, I really want some feedback on this podcast. Anything else? I would hate that. My <laughs> friend's just like, I like when you're saying how it wasn't a glitch, but maybe don't say how it wasn't a glitch as much. Do you think people would actually be nice though? Or do you think people would be straight up? There'd be the very few that would be like straight up with you and they would be like, see town, are you crazy? But well, then there would be think, some people that would actually like be nice to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, you no. Know, some people would be like, oh. Some people would flatter you. No, yeah. some people wouldn't get that I was being a troll. Exactly. But the, the people that assume they're being a troll are actually wrong. I'm actually dead serious. That's the scary part about you, Sea Town. That's the scary part. The yeah. scary part about Sea Town is that you hope that he's kidding, but he's never kidding. He's always serious. <laughs> That's the worst part about him. <laughs> It's like, oh no, he can't, he can't be that serious about that. <laughs> like, he's not that crazy, right? No, he is. <laughs> he is. Like, like, say you wire a robot, right? And you can talk to a robot where it's answering you like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's hardwired in. Say so it's hardwired in a computer, so it's it's got pre-scripted responses yeah right there's still nothing like to be that robot though right so you so you would say it's not conscious right this is a, I, don't, I don't know I mean this is the whole question of the Turing test like, like you couldn't say that robot's conscious because it's it's doing a script that was implemented through technology yeah Alan Turing devised this test where said like look if we create an AI system we put it behind a screen we put another human behind a screen then we have a third person interacting with both of these two interlocutors and that third person is unable to tell which is the human and which is the AI right so the AI is able to fool it into thinking that it's conscious like it's you're interacting with the AI system it's telling you that it's conscious perhaps it's saying man I know I'm made of silicon but there's something it's like to be me too but again, again, no. I'm just Torin would say at that point that you should conclude that it's conscious, but there's no way to definitively prove that. There's all, but it, it's all stemming back to the it man, could just the be man the appearance who put of the lines in the robot, who created the robot. Yeah, it was a conscious being that created those responses. So the robot's just a front, but behind the robot in those responses is still a conscious being, and that's the human, not the robot itself. Right, so the, ultimately, if you so so there is a self awareness that it seems like, but it's not coming from. But the, the so the, but the robot itself isn't conscious. There is some conscious mind that's responsible for from the human though. Yeah, ultimately, it's coming from a conscious being. Right, so like there's a conscious mind that's ca- ultimately causally responsible for the AI that you're seeing and that you're interacting with, but the AI itself isn't conscious. Right. But then you could argue, oh, or you, maybe it is. If you, bring, if you bring it down, if you bring the robot down to its basic unit, it comes from a conscious being, the human that created it. Does that mean because yeah. it's because its base is conscious that the robot itself is conscious? No, no. There's a distinction between constitution and causation. There's a conscious mind that caused the robot to come into existence, right? right. There's a there's a right. designer, so to speak, that created it. 
But that's a completely distinct question from the question of whether the robot itself conscious. Just because okay. some conscious uh, mind caused it doesn't mean that that conscious mind constitutes it. You see right. what I'm saying? There's a distinction between constitution and causation. Like even though the base came from a conscious mind, you can't reduce the robot itself down to that. Yeah. And John Searle, this contemporary philosopher, came in after Turing and he had this Chinese room thought experiment where he says, we lock a man inside a room. He's an English speaker. He doesn't know Chinese. We give him a book of symbols. There's an input slot, there's an output slot. When something comes in the input slot, there's a string of symbols on it, he matches those symbols up in the book. And he says, okay, I should respond with this set of symbols. Then he puts that through the output slot. Now the people on the other side of the room are Chinese people and they're thinking that they're interacting with someone who understands Chinese. But in reality, he's just playing the functional part. You know, he's simulating the appearance of understanding Chinese, but he actually doesn't understand any word of Chinese. He's just matching the right symbols. And the idea is that the same is always going to be true when you're talking about an AI system or a computer. It can never really be conscious. It's always just going to be merely simulating the appearance of consciousness. Right. It doesn't doesn't actually know what's happening. It's just following the pattern. Yeah. That's what it is. It's performing the functional roles, you might say. Yeah. So he said because of that, that mechanism itself mm. isn't conscious. Yeah. The thing, doing that. Yeah. So he says, actually, Turing, you're wrong. The Turing test, you can't, that doesn't sufficiently demonstrate that something is conscious, an AI system. And then there have been all kinds of responses to that thought experiment. That makes sense. That, I, I like that when you think about robots. That's a good way to think of it. That's one of the most famous philosophy essays of the 20th century, is Chinese room thought experiment. And there are all kinds of, you know. I think that makes a lot of sense. When you try to think down in the mechanics of the robot, that's answering your questions perfectly. Yeah. It doesn't understand what the questions are. It just understands how to respond to them. But my perspective on this is, if we actually create AI systems that are able to pass the Turing test with flying colors, all this philosophical navel-gazing that we're doing, constructing thought experiments, all that discussion is just going to become moot, apparently, because you're just going to inevitably treat the thing like it's conscious. It'll convince you, you know? If it's really able to pass the Turing test and there's a... There's still going to be people questioning it always, though. I know, but if you're just in face-to-face dialogue with it, I would say that... Oh, just the common man, yeah. Yeah. Like, if there's an AI computer right next to you and it says, like, be right, like, I'm really self-aware, and... It just convinces you. You're not going to be philosophically thinking about all that shit. You're going to be like, that thing's conscious, you know? In the same way that it's obvious that the fish was conscious, right? Mm. It's like, in some sense, it's analogous to the problem of other minds. Like, yeah, we can ne- I can never definitively prove that a dog is conscious, but I know it is. And in the same way, I can never definitively prove that this AI system is conscious, but I know it is, and I'm going to treat it like such. You know what I'm saying? It's going to become analogous to the problem of other minds once we actually create this, these things. So once they behaviorally convince you, in the same way that I do, there's no philosophical question to be had anymore. The philosophical question disappears. It's like, what happens with a tricycle? Take me off. What do you got? 
Nothing. What movie is Bicycle. this from? Don't what, use what that. is this? <laughs> what is he <laughs> quoting right now, bro? <laughs> Pop star. I look at you because I'm like, do you know? What Does anyone that? ever know? What was the one you did earlier? <laughs> you just oh. always do oh. random, random movie quotes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fucking like the United States fucked Obama. No, no, not I'm oh, sorry, fucked Bin Laden. No, 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 Which one? Where did we get it? Oh, oh, gay or straight, it's all the same. <laughs> no, you're like, But that's the Oval was like this. He starts doing that in the pier. And he looks at me like I should have a reasonable response. Well, but, well, I'm like, Bob, what the fuck well, is wrong with see, 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 Bobby would be on his ass laughing his ass off. <laughs> He's like, you get it? Yes, the Oval was like this. It was just silence that preceded that. It was wait, like, wait. I was, I was honestly sh- taken back by the sound. There was guys. nothing to occasion. I was taken. There's nothing to occasion that behavior. <laughs> when Nani, when Nani <laughs> responds, you answer. <laughs> you got it. How do you not respond to Nani? I answer. She immediately says, "Snap me." So I snap her. She says, "How old are you?" On snap, I say, "25." You. It says 28 on there. So I already know. Dude, she never even responded to me. I, I sent her like four messages. hello! You just see me not answering her. That's kind of that's gotta be. Yeah. That's gotta make you. Angry. I'm just like dreaming that this girl would respond to me. And she, you just, you just forgot. You just forgot. You're like, oh yeah, forgot to respond. Did we get to the point where we could ever answer the philosophical questions? Like some of the tough ones. Depends on which ones. Like, do you think human beings as a whole can ever get to that level of understanding why there was something rather than nothing? Through, of why there's through something? advancement in technology. Do you think that's a question that could ever be answered? No, I don't think so. Of why there's something rather than nothing? I don't think so because... Um, it's incoherent, the concept of nothing, to us at least. We're, it's, well, I'm not going to say it's incoherent. We're cognitively close to what nothingness is like. Right? Any attempt that humans make to try to under... Because to understand why there's something rather than nothing, presumably you're going to have to have some understanding of nothingness. Right? Is that fair? Yeah. And I'm saying that we can't understand nothingness because any, Anything that any we... attempt that we make to understand that is necessarily something. Yeah. Right? If I'm going to have a thought of nothingness, right? I'm just going to imagine a void, a black void. That Me imagining a black void is something. And by definition, not the thing I'm trying to imagine. Right? Which almost proves the point that there was always something. The fact I don't we, think it proves that. It just proves that we're cognitively closed to that question. We can never resolve it. The fact that we can't even do that. We can never resolve it. Because in order to resolve it, we need to have some conception of nothingness. And it's impossible for us to have a conception but, but of nothing. But what I'm saying is, like, what if the human race, I'm saying, what if we get to the advancement level where we can, like, like, scientifically prove the reason why there is, I don't know, we, we, we come up with, like, some secrets of the universe through, like, uh, science or whatever, or just through new technological gateways that happen. I do think, this, like, humans could eventually 
find an answer that would be like outside of them to that question though yeah but what but how could they answer that question of whether something rather than nothing I'll grant you maybe we will arrive at a theory of everything right like maybe they can explain why there was always something like maybe they find a reason why okay why there's always something yeah yeah Okay, so okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. You see, you see, we you discovered see that, yeah. Just through technological gate like means like in gateways and uh, you know that goes past even our own like intelligence what we created. Yeah, we don't have to have have a conception of nothingness. We've known that we something has already to. existed. We don't have to, yeah. right? Exactly. We we don't need to answer that question then. Right. We found but, out there was something, so we don't need to I, understand nothing. Yeah. And then there's, you know, question of consciousness. It's like, if we had complete understanding of the physical world and our brains, yeah. would we have an understanding of consciousness? That's the whole question of the hard problem. Some people say no. Even if we understood, even if we had a theory of everything, or we understood the complete physical nature of reality and how all, how all the different forces are connected, right? How relativity theory is connected with uh, electromagnetics and. So you think we'll never get past that level? Of the other forces, the physical understanding. Like you don't think we'll ever find like a spiritual, spiritual, definitive meaning to something. No, maybe that's a different question. I'm just saying that you know what I mean. That would that would cancel that out. That example. yeah. I'm, some people think that maybe we can't even arrive at a theory of everything. I'm saying maybe we can arrive at a theory of everything from a physical standpoint. We can have a complete understanding of physical reality and how all the different forces are unified. Right, a, a unified understanding of physical reality. Whether that understanding necessarily facilitates an understanding of consciousness is the question of whether there's a hard problem and to me i'd say the answer is no even if you had that understanding you don't understand consciousness yet so if by a theory of everything you mean everything including consciousness right i don't know i mean there are some philosophers like this dude colin again who thinks that human beings are really cognitively closed to the nature of consciousness in the same way that we might be cognitively closed to the nature of nothingness as we just discussed like it's just incoherent um, or we're not necessarily incoherent, but we're just cognitively close to it, you know. So for him, consciousness is like nothingness. From again, but most philosophers aren't that pessimistic. They're trying to understand the nature of consciousness. They think that human beings aren't cognitively close to it, in the way that an ant is cognitively close to the broader world around it. You know, like there's no way an ant could understand the stock market. It's just not, it's possible. It's cognitively closed to that understanding. Maybe the same is true about us with respect to the nature of consciousness. But I think there are real dangers associated with AI, with creating minds that are just smarter than us, right? Right. Like they might be smarter than us in this, in the, to the same level that we're smarter than an ant. And some transhumanists, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Some people are like, this is the next logical step in evolution. Evolution is the process of dumb things that might be why we're giving creating. rise to smarter things, yeah. right? That there's nothing. And that, like, That's be what our before was. Darwin came up with his idea, it was, it's, the idea of evolution is one of the most groundbreaking ideas in human history, if you think about it. Because before that, it didn't make sense. It seemed like there had to be a God. Because how do you get things this complex and this seemingly orderly? Um, it seems like there has to be something smarter that designed it, right? 
Was it the watch? Because they're assuming all animals and everything just stay consistent yeah. throughout, and they're realizing you find that a everything watch, is getting smarter. Yeah, you find a watch on a beach, and you're like, oh, it clearly indicates that it's been designed by something, right? It's just like all the parts are together. This couldn't have been constructed by accident. So you infer reasonably the existence of a designer, and you do that. This the same as the watch is just the world, you know. If you're just seeing the world, you're just like, yeah, something had to design it. But then Darwin comes along, drops his theory of evolution, and now suddenly it makes sense how you can get smart things from dumb things. It's yeah. logically coherent. Yeah. And now the whole notion of God is undermined to such a large degree. Right. Just because we can make sense of that. And now us giving rise to AI is the next step That's of our that part. process. Exactly. And that's what people think our role is as humans race is to create you know something that's be more <laughs> in, immortal doesn't yeah. need to sleep doesn't need to eat and for and can re you know for people like ray kurzweil he thinks that this is ultimately going to lead to this transcendent universal consciousness yeah and that is going to be in some sense synonymous with the universe waking up to itself right. he thinks that's the logical endpoint of a, this we're a huge step evolutionary that. trajectory but that's a, I mean that that does seem a little romantic to me. Yeah. But yeah. it's like it's like they tried reptiles. You know, they couldn't they were around for millions of years. They they couldn't uh, if you think they that, couldn't do it, so then they tried mammals. Yeah. And they weeded out and then it's gotten here, right? Ray Kurzweil, he's turning the idea of religion on its head. Instead of there was this god that created this universe, he's saying this universe existed and now we're in the process of creating a god. A transcendent universal consciousness right <laughs> so it's the god comes from nothing as opposed to, the god comes from this world as opposed to the god making this world right so the transhuman that's what that's what ray kurzweil and the transhumanists are doing they're just inverting it's like the, the traditional conception of, of religion like it, like it reaches the Does peak of sense? evolution the peak of evolution almost right yeah that's what, that's what it was it's just you get dumb things and we finally and, got that yeah you get nothing dull matter atoms bouncing against each other in the void and then that ends in a universal transcendent consciousness, which is the universe waking up to itself. I mean, it's really just, you become what you attend to. <laughs> so if you're attending to a certain thought, you will become that. Attend to the right things. Yeah. If you're Be mindful of that, right? Exactly. Mm. You, you, you become what your attention is fixated on. That's the fundamental principle, right? So. If you're constantly ruminating upon, if you're constantly having anxiety about the future and you're, that's just what your attention is captured up in, you will become an anxious person. But it's not because you're an anxious person. It's because you've established this pattern of thought, right? It's your, def it's your default setting is what it's called. Yeah, so you can change the mental momentum at any time. That's what you don't realize. Change this is the day, this is how all psychological suffering is born. Made up of habits. You establish this bad pattern of thought and it's, it's a feedback cycle. And then you think that that bad pattern of thought is representative of you, right? Oh, I'm thinking all, all these anxious thoughts. I must be an anxious person. And now because you think you're an anxious person, that disposes you to have more bad thoughts like that. You're it's a like, lot of things. Right? You're a lot of things. It's whatever you choose to be. Yeah. But if you're conceptualizing you yourself that. in that way, yeah. then you're going to be like, oh, I'm an anxious person. You're going you're gonna to have more anxious thoughts. And it's going to yeah. be this negative feedback loop that just reinforces itself yeah that's your new default is anxious yeah it's all you know 
Yeah. That's it. And it's because, and it all, it's all born on the mistaken assumption that um, the fact that you've had these patterns of thoughts means that you are a certain person. No, it's just a pattern of thought. Like, you do become that in a sense, yeah. but you, you be, can change it. You become what you just do over and over again. Yeah. That's it. So having that realization, and again, it's, that's just mindfulness. Having that realization can just help you, liberate you psychologically and enable you to avoid so much psychological suffering. You know? You can change your life at any second by just di- hard, learning hard. to direct your attention in a wise manner. The hardest part is getting out of that loop. Yeah, you have to get out of the loop. That's the break, most pernicious... the chain. That's the most pernicious mental feedback loop there is, man. That's it. You know? And people just like get anything. caught in it that's for their a, entire lives. That's anything. Like an addict? Like an uh, addict to alcohol? Yeah. Or anything? Addiction, addicted to anything. Just breaking that habit and you can break free from it. Like mm-hmm. that's... It's just like a universal law intrinsic in nature. Like that's just how things work. And momentum. Right? It's hard to change the momentum. You know? Once you have the momentum going in a bad way. Newton's laws, right? Yeah, it'll just stay going in that way. You know, if you're tend to have these bad thoughts and that's the negative feedback loop. The outside force, the unbalanced force is you coming yeah. in and doing it consciously. And it works the other way as well. It's like what is that force? You can establish positive mental momentum, right? loving yourself, having self-confidence, all this stuff, that reinforces itself as well. Once you start that momentum, that's, that's going to come more and more naturally and you're going to become more and more like that. Yeah. Changing the momentum is really hard, but you have to realize that you do have the power to do it. You can do it. Yeah. But yeah. once you've been entrenched in a certain pattern... Especially if you're accelerating down. You're going to be more disposed to continue to follow that. Yeah, and if you're going so fast down you've been going down that path for so long, it's going to be hard to stop yeah. that momentum, which is why it takes more effort. But then you always have to remember, yeah, no, how, no matter how strong the momentum is for you, yeah. whether it's been in a negative way or in a positive way, you can always change it. Yeah. You know, and I mean Limit. that advice is most and that important force, for people that are having the negative momentum. <laughs> that force right there of you coming in and being able to do that, like that's uh, that just like shows we're limitless. I think, in my opinion, it just well it liberates you from psychological suffering. For me, there's just so much needless suffering. You can just disconnect from it, that pattern of thought. And it's just relieving, you know? It's just so relieving. You're not carrying all this baggage with you in every moment. Most people are carrying all this baggage with them in the present moment. You know, this this, uh, baggage which is associated with their self-conception. And it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the easier it is for you to just let it go. Yeah. You can't carry the baggage with you into the present moment because then you're not in the moment. You just have to be present. It's it's literally a mental muscle. Yeah, that's what it is. If you carry that conception of of yourself into the moment, that's just gonna further verify that conception of yourself, which is itself just a construction that you've devised in your mind. It's not actually real, but it becomes more real the more you tell yourself it's real. The OBX Chronicles. Think of it like a data warehouse. Well, how can it be Chronicles if it's just one episode? You got multiple databases going Ooh, to that one That made server. a lot of sense. No, no, it's Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shoot, that made a lot of sense. Scratch it. <laughs> no, no, sh- It's Chronicles because it's a, a series of different conversations that took place at different times over the course of a week. They're all going to the data warehouse. That's it. Yeah, the warehouse. Databases, they all flow into one. 
the OBX Chronicles is the one. That is the warehouse. Yeah. Right. What is this warehouse? He's our IT guy. What is this? <laughs> 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 we just show everything's on the front. IT guy. That's funny. Just that's the one. That's the one thing Cody and I hated saying was good night. Because I meant that the fun. The <laughs> good fun, night. That, meant, that always meant the fun was over. Good night. And I hated. I hated, I hated putting a definitive. It's just funny. A definitive label through that time. Just a final for that to happen. Cody will always come into my room so whenever, whenever I'm mean to him or don't want to hang out with him. He'll always just come into my room and I'll yell at him and he'll just go good night and walk out. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Easy, dude. Gee, Mister, you're really strong. Luis. <laughs> If a Krabby, or sorry, if a Patty, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you don't know the answer. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> if a Patty, what's a Patty? Mr. Krabs singing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I have a question. <laughs> Wait, what I'm real question. Out of a Patty, <laughs> out of what's a Patty? We're actually screaming. That's what I said. Yeah, we're actually really being so loud. Yeah. Um, really. but. No, we don't need a relax. Out of all the songs in Spongebob, that's the one you thought of? There are so many better ones. Like that Striped Sweater song? No, because, because that's the... Because that's the one. It's all the time. It's the one Bobby and I always talk about. Do the, do the rest. Little sleep. No, no, no. Turn <laughs> neck. It's... it's Best time to wear a striped sweater is one with a collar, turtleneck. <laughs> one with a collar, turtleneck. Playing my clarinet over and never get better. Turtleneck. <coughs> <coughs> it's like once you're an adult, you're like, That's yeah, like, I'm on Squidward's side, bro. Oh, I saw that in a meme. I literally saw that in a meme. Is that a meme? It was like it was like it was like everyone was hating on Squidward, but now that I'm older, I really get where he was coming from. Yeah, I always got where he's coming. He's right. He's so happy at work. He's like, dude, just do the order. He just wanted those damn kids out of his way. 